guys, you already know about the low post with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse, but if you listen to the CJ McCollum show, where every week New Orleans Pelican star CJ McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA with inside perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. That's the CJ McCollum show. Listen wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back to the Mini Time Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks a horse collar is just a bigger dog collar. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I am joined delightfully by the one, the only, our Dolphins reporter, Marcel Louis-Jacques. Welcome back to the show, Marcel. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be back. Appreciate the intro, too. Really know how to make somebody feel welcome to the pod. I appreciate that. <laughs> So uh, before we get started, Marcel is in LA. This is so okay. I chose this week because it is we're not only are the Dolphins having a fascinating season, but they're coming off of a very interesting loss. They're headed into a really interesting game and also an interesting stretch of the season. So I thought it was a great week to have you on. You are also in LA for Dolphins Chargers, and we're having the only conversation that people in LA ever have, which is talking about LA traffic. Oh yeah, look. So I, I, I will admit that I might have greased the wheels on it a little bit here, but I'll take LA traffic over Miami traffic because I got a convertible here as my rental car. Thank you to National. You got a convertible. I got a convert. So I popped the top. It's like 60 degrees out. I got music blasting, cool breeze, sunshine. I was like, are you? what are you guys complaining about? I don't care that this is taking 50 minutes. I'm having a great time. Wow. Oh my goodness. Um, I actually agree with you about LA and Miami. So I used to spend a fair amount of time in Miami to do the Dan Lebertard show and highly questionable. And I, I think both cities have terrible traffic. Miami traffic is somehow a little bit more infuriating, I think, because of the driver. I've already... I'm, I'm yes. trying to heal my my rift with with <laughs> Dolphins Nation today. So maybe that's not the best place. Although I have to think most people in Miami agree that there are a lot of bad drivers in Miami. Yeah, I think that's one of those like negatives that's a point of pride. Like they'll say, no, oh, we're way worse than Miami. Like this is we're way worse than LA traffic wise. It is. The drivers are worse. Like the um, the number of times yeah. a day I am cut off by somebody who is going full <laughs> speed from the furthest right lane and just no blinker, three lane switch. It, it, it's it's like NASCAR out there and here it just feels like it's cluttered. Like there's just a lot of people there. It's a lot of people and nobody can drive. Also, that would just, my experience was mostly in Uber is just like getting lost. So maybe that's (laughs) coloring my experience, but um, I can't even tell you how many times I passed the Miami airport on the way to the Miami airport. I'm like, wait guys, it's literally right there. Um, Okay. So you were in LA. You, I I think you just came from the dolphins media availability. um, And it's actually, I have like many questions to ask you because there's a lot of important news I think are important uh, questions headed into this game regarding the status of very player uh, a few players in the Dolphins. I would say most notably Teron Armstead, uh, the starting left tackle, whose loss was very deeply felt in the last game, and then Tuatanga Vailoa himself, who's been nursing angel ankle injury. So, what are you hearing right now? What does it look like headed into this game? Yeah, so they signed Eric Fisher, who can play left and right tackle. Spent most of his career at left tackle, obviously uh, as an insurance policy. Hey, just in case Teron can't play, but they are optimistic that Teron Armstead plays. McDaniel said that like, he doesn't think any player he's coached 
has a pain tolerance like Teron Armstead, and he trusts Teron Armstead more than basically any player he's ever, you know, been involved with. So he's saying if if there's a way for Teron to play, he believes that Teron will find that way to play. He was doing work off to the side today, which seems insane considering, you know, it's a pectoral injury, how frequently you have to use that pectoral muscle as an offensive lineman, and the fact it's just compounded a bit by the fact that he – he he's got this toe injury he's had since week one, and obviously you you're using your toe every single time you step onto the field. So every single time you yeah. step, you can just cut it right there. Forget the on the field part. But I think that there's some serious optimism that he plays on Sunday. Okay. And Tua, I, uh, Tua had both oh, his Tua, ankles. Yeah. yeah, Tua had both his ankles wrapped and taped, but I don't think it it was anything out of the ordinary. He was limited, quote unquote. Mm-hmm today in practice you always kind of wonder like what does limited look like for a quarterback at practice you're already you know you're not being hit you're you're throwing the ball you're not asked to do a whole bunch uh physically but he is limited um i i don't think that there's any concern really though uh about his availability for sunday he is going to play although teddy bridgewater also limited and he didn't play last week so there's uh you know the 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 biggest pessimist in the world can see some danger coming from Miami, but there's no reason for concern. Tua's going to play. I should, by the way, hit pause. We're going to talk about some other games. If you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I'm not a Dolphins fan or a Chargers fan, I, we're, we're going to talk about some of the other big games. Uh, and Marcel has, a, it, it, you're like the king of the division right now, or just <laughs> because of your history covering the Bills. We're going to talk about that game as well. And so, anyways, we're going to. I, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping and note that. Um, so, okay. The Armstead injury is is massive. However, and this is something I want to get your thoughts on, there's kind of like, I wouldn't say a debate, but there's an interesting discussion right now happening on TV, on Twitter, whereabouts, as far as how much the pressure the Niners were able to get, and the fact that, of course, they have one of, if not the best pass rushers in the NFL, in Nick Bosa, how much that impacted Tua in the game. Because... I think Dolphins fans, everyone would agree this was that was his worst game of the season. He looked off target throughout and generally uncomfortable. However, um, you know, the, 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 there's also, it's been noted that at times he looked uncomfortable in a clean pocket. And also the Dolphins receivers were open a fair amount. So my question for you is, as far as Tua struggles in that game, and I think this we can connect it then to whether or not they'll continue against this team and other teams, how much of it would you attribute to the Niners' pressure versus other things they did on defense? Uh, and how much would it concern you as a Dolphins fan having seen him have that performance against what we should all acknowledge is one of, if not the best defenses in the NFL? Yeah, right off the top, you know, it, it doesn't look good on paper when you say like okay, this is the they've been they've been beating up on the Lions and the Bears and the Browns and Texans of the world, uh, but now they play the Niners and and Tua looks like this. Like uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't look great. Like the optics aren't great, but it, it is interesting what you said about you know Armstead being out because I think they missed him in the turn in the sense of missing like a veteran presence and missed that leadership on the field. They did not. I thought particularly miss him too badly on the field itself, right. you know, from a football standpoint. Fascinating, itself. right? Like, yeah. I think they had seven, the Niners generated seven pressures in 36 dropbacks, if I remember correctly. That's not, you know, 
it, and it's it's tough because Nick Bosa very much did have three sacks and a strip sack. So like that is extremely a good game. He was a monster because yes. anytime you put up three sacks, that is that's special. <laughs> it's pretty good. But it's not like he was like barking into his face the entire game. So he was effective when he got home. But I, I thought they actually they did do a pretty good job and. Like you said, receivers were open. I think if you're a Dolphins fan, yeah. you feel worse about that game if Tua has no idea what he's doing with the ball. Like, so the the, the Tennessee game last year, the Dolphins fans are going to be so mad that I'm bringing this up, but I don't care. It's Just hear me <laughs> out. In the Tennessee game last year, bad scheme, bad play calling, bad, you know, all that, I would say. But, like, you feel bad about Tua after that game. Mm. Because it was like, wow, like you're not even – the ball is like falling out of your hands as you're handing off and going to throw. Like you just – it didn't look like you belong there. And then you, you juxtapose that against this game where he threw for 295 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and we're calling that the worst game – his worst game of the season. That's the – that is yeah. – that's the floor. And if 295 and two touchdowns with two picks is your floor, that's a monumental step forward from where that floor was last mm. – you know, last season, he was off target 27% of his throws. That's, I believe, the worst or second worst of his career. Definitely the worst of the season. Like, Jay, he had Jalen Waddle open on several occasions and just flew it. Uh, the interception to, to Tyreek, he's, he's throwing on the run, threw it behind him. Like, it, there, there were plenty of there are plenty of opportunities for Miami to make a play, for Miami to, to get first downs, to maybe even score. And two just yeah. didn't hit. Two just didn't connect. And I think that you feel better knowing, okay, at least mentally, like he knew where to go. He just had an off day versus he didn't have anything. I think the question that comes out of that is like, okay, is the off day, what does it have to do with the Niners defense and what they presented, right? Um, and to, as we just discussed, there, it, the pressure wasn't insane. Um, I did think, obviously, the, the big thing going into this that everybody talked about was, you know, Tua and this Dolphins offense, they are thrive in the middle of the field. The Niners are very good in the middle of the field, and they have Fred Warner, and that that played out, although there were guys open in the middle of the field at points as well. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting, um, Next Gen Stats put out a tweet during the game talking about how Tyreek Hill was open, but then they followed up by um, noting that the Niners were playing more press coverage than usual, which is what I thought was fascinating because... The, the conventional wisdom would be against the Dolphins. Well, how you know if you play press coverage, you're going to get absolutely cooked. And I think, you know, what you saw happen at least not consistently because again, guys were open. But the Dolphins have such a timing based offense, and Tua is such a like his superpower is mm -hmm. his timing that maybe the Niners had some luck disrupting the timing of some of their middle of the field concepts in a way that kind of threw him off a little bit. So I think. And, and I'm not saying, by the way, any of this is translatable. I'm just kind of like trying to do the autopsy a little bit and ask, yeah. okay, well, can other defenses, you know, this, okay, so you've got a, a defense that's very good in taking out the middle of the field that's at least has the threat of pressure, if not all like a totally dominant game, and then did a little bit and had some success with press coverage early on. I do think there are defenses, you know, you're gonna, we're going to play the Bills later and we can talk about, we're going to talk about them. I don't think the Chargers could do any of that. So that no. brings us to this game. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So the Chargers... Um, okay, so I have some some numbers. So Dolphins fans, chin up, because here's some numbers for you. Uh, the Dolphins, of course, used almost, if not the most play action the, up there, the any team in the NFL. The Chargers allowed the third highest QBR 
on play action of any defense in the NFL. Uh, the Chargers uh, are very, very bad at defending the middle of the field. Wait, where I grabbed it because it was it was like crazy bad. Um, shoot, dang it, where is it? I wanted to feed this to Dolphins fans. It's bad wherever it is. Oh no, okay, here we go. Okay, between the numbers. Uh, over 10 yards, Chargers allow, once again, the third highest QBR at 98 in the NFL. And then finally, I asked um, my friend Keegan Abdo at uh, NGS for this one, how how the Chargers defense looks when they press, just coming off of this game. Fifth worst EPA per play in the NFL when they press. So all of the things that the Niners did well that you know caused problems for Tua, I don't see that happening in this game. No, look, that, that, was, my, that was my big question and takeaway from the game was that like, is this a blueprint on how to beat the Dolphins, or is this just mm. a team that's perfectly suited to stop the Dolphins? Yeah. Every team doesn't have a, Joey, a, a Nick Bosa, although the Chargers have a Joey. I don't believe he's playing. But not every play, team yeah. has a Bosa. <laughs> not every team has Fred Warner or Drake Greenlaw, who was really the monster uh, on Sunday. So good. good. God. So I did. good, yeah. I, I'm going to admit, I'm going to admit, and Niners fans, cook me for this if you want, but like, I'm giving you your flowers here. I... When I think Niners defense, I think Nick Bosa and I think Fred Warner. I don't necessarily think of Dre Greenlaw and Hufanga, but I, I, I just I don't know. Maybe it's because it's like the Navarro Bowman effect, where you have another linebacker in <laughs> Warner or Willis that you forget this other guy is actually insanely good as well. But like there are plays that he's just going sideline to sideline. It's like God, he like uh, I think Tyreek Hill had him one on one and was trying to cut back. And that's that's usually a it's a money move for a guy like Tyreek, yeah. and he got nowhere with Greenlaw. He Greenlaw ran him down and erased the angle. I was like, this isn't fair. So yeah, the, the Niners I know the exact just... player talking about. Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, that's gonna go for ten, and I, yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, that's actually gonna just stop right right there. It's done. That yeah. the play is done. <laughs> Greenlaw. Yeah. Let so me ask you this though about the, the blueprint. Because we're going to talk about the Bills and the Jets who are coming up on the Dolphins' schedule. Those are two very good defenses, and you know those defenses very well. Do you think either of them can do a better job of approximating what the Niners did? And and to continue off that, do you think Tua can improve upon what – I certainly think he can improve upon what he did against San Francisco. But do you think that um, he will – I don't know, he, he, he can improve his game in certain ways to maybe face those types of looks? Yeah, I, I think Tua was actually very good against against the Bills uh, there in Week Three, and I, I, you're, if you look at the numbers themselves, like the the, the totals, I, I don't think I don't even know if he if he passed 200 passing yards or not. I'm not I'm not positive. It looks pretty pedestrian, but the Dolphins ran like 30 plays. Like Buffalo had the ball yeah. for 90 snaps. So, like when you look at the efficiency and what he was able to do when they did have the ball, he had a very good game against Buffalo, against a depleted Buffalo defense. You know, I, I know what you're, y'all are saying on the other side of the speaker, <laughs> but, you know, the, the scheme is scheme, and, like, you, it's the NFL. You got to yeah. trust the backups. You got to trust everybody on that roster, man. I'm, I'm, I hate to break it to you guys, but, you know, injuries happen. Uh, they'll probably yeah. get Poyer back. Well. They'll probably have Poyer back that game. Uh, they're not going to have Von Miller, though, and that's where I think, mm, like, kind of the catalyst that, is. Yeah. Because I, I don't yeah. know – I just have to see it. I have to see it out of, you know, Oliver and Rousseau and Epinesa and Basham. Uh, you know, they're, they're auxiliary guys. They're not Von Miller guys. Uh, I, I have to see them prove capable as a unit of, of pressing the quarterback consistently. 
And I'm, I'm just not, I think that Von Miller, that's just huge for them. I know you said we're going to talk about it, but I have to say it yeah. just, it's so massive because that was the move, you know, like you're so rarely one player away, but that was the, you just needed well, somebody to rush the passer at the could, end of the game. You, you could argue that losing him and hot Micah Hyde were the two players. Like they really couldn't. I mean, well, again, sorry. I we keep saying, we'll talk about that. We will talk about the bells. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I look, the Niners defense is freaking incredible. They're also really well coached, which I think is yeah. important. Like oh, even yeah. that little adjustment of them pressing, like that's D'Amico Ryan's just, it seems to press all the right, right buttons versus different offenses. So I don't think, I don't think we're going to see a game like that from Tua Tungavella, even against better defenses as the season goes along. I think he's going to grow from it. I do have questions, however, about the Miami defense, because I feel like there's been so much attention on Tua and the offense not looking like they normally do. That lost in the wash a little bit is that, you know, the offense didn't play Brock Purdy in this game. Um, and so this is a defense, Marcel, that since trading for Bradley Chubb has looked much better than they did in the first part of the season. The four-man rush, and it's not just Chubb. It's, you know, Jalen Phillips has been amazing. Ingram's been really good. Um, but, like, what do you think went wrong against San Francisco? And do you have any concerns against the Chargers? They struggled. Well, they struggled on third down. Um, and that that is an evergreen statement for either side of the ball for the Dolphins from Sunday. They were 0 for 7 on offense, mm. and San Francisco went 8 for 19. So, I mean, just the, the second number in general, like 19 third down opportunities. That's 19 chances that defense had to get yeah. off the field. And they were only able to do so on on 11 of them. You know, you know extending eight drives hurt. Uh, it's part of the reason why San Francisco had, it was like 40 – 40 minutes of, of possession compared to Miami's 20, uh, you know, ran 80 plays to seven to 45 play. They were just, they couldn't get off the field in critical moments. And, uh, and it, you know, I'm sure there's a reason for this. And I know he's just really good. And this sometimes really good players are able to get open like that, but there were times where it was like, they forgot Christian McCaffrey was on the team. <laughs> I got, um, you know, he's coming out of the backfield completely unspied. You they're know, so, they're the so good at moving him around and yeah. You lose track and, 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 you know, and I mean that with all due respect because, you know, that is an excellent offense and a great scheme that they're playing against. But I asked Bradley Chubb, you know, like with so many weapons on the Niners team, I asked him before the game, you know, what are some things that you have to key on or like, what are some things that, that they do to trick you guys? And he was just saying all that they're trying to do, all the Niners are doing, is is cause that moment of hesitation. They just need you to hesitate for a second, to overthink for a second, to like lose track of where Christian is for a second, and then he can do the rest from there. And so that's kind of what I think happened is they're moving him around and they're saying, okay, whose responsibility is it? If he's there, where am I going? And they're mid-thought, but the play's already snapped. The ball snapped and McCaffrey's wide open. Like Brock Purdy was not asked to, you know, beat the he was not asked to lead a Frank Reich as comeback, he was not asked to put the whole team on his back. He basically said, hey, find the guy wearing 22 and then th- throw it there. Find 19 and then throw it there. They're yeah. not asking him to push the field. Uh, I think Shanahan's scheme kind of protects the quarterback in that it, it, it's a – there's a reason why we've seen, like, C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins have some success. You know, not like all pro or pro bowl success, but we've seen them – we've seen competent enough quarterback play replacement level quarterback play from guys because that's what the Niners do. So like Purdy was great, man. Like I, I I told Niner or Dolphins fans, you guys are going to get, 
you're going to get the jeers. Like, people are going to make fun of you this week, but don't let them disrespect what Brock Purdy did because he was he was putting the ball on the <laughs> we're, spot. We're going to talk about that game too, actually. So don't don't save your Purdy takes. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's a great point about that offense. I mean, it's the same thing, problems that every defense has playing that offense. And um, again, I'm going to do the exact same thing I did. The Chargers will not present those problems, folks. Um, uh, it's, it's it's game such kind of a bummer because I think. You know, it's, it's such a narrative game, too. Uh, Justin Herbert, they're always compared. But, like, this is going to sound like I'm making excuses for Herbert. Whatever, I don't give a shit. Like, they're playing two different sports right now. <laughs> like, I don't know how much Chargers football you've watched, but it is not pleasant. Um, <laughs> the Raiders game was just... The offensive line is just non-functional. I mean, and it's it's not... They're down to their back... They're, they, you know, the backup tackles... Dolphins fans are like, well, we were down to our backup tackles too. That's fair. It wasn't this game, right? Um, but... And then uh, Corey Lindsley was out. The the Raiders, uh, Crosby and Chandler Jones, were just living in the backfield. Uh, they can't run the football well either, by the way. They're 29th in rushing DVOA. And it's another reason why I think the Dolphins have like a real edge in this one, just because I really like the Dolphins four-man rush when they can just uh you know pin their ears back and i think they're going to have plenty of opportunities to do so against this chargers offense because it's just they are fighting for every yard uh and that's not to say herbert's like above criticism or anything you know i he's not like every now and then he's like makes crazy plays but he's you know the, the offense he is not overcoming what i'm describing but as far as like this game and this matchup i it it it's going to be a lot easier, I believe, for the Dolphins, even facing an obviously better quarterback. Yeah, and this is, seems like kind of the game that, uh, you know, they, they, they have circled in, in no <laughs> certain terms where, like, not just because of the, the Tua Herbert thing, but because, like you said, they when they traded for Bradley Chubb, I think a lot of people saw it as, like, the, like your, your first reaction is, oh, they're all in. Like, this is like the Rams last year. Like, they're pushing all their chips in. Like, they, they want to attack this window. That's not really the case. Uh, what it really was was, like, a philosophical change in their defense, uh, which traditionally over the past three years, I should say, the strength has been in secondary with, with, with Howard, with yeah. Holland, with the Joneses and Nick Needham. But they, they – Byron Jones has yet to play. Brandon Jones torn ACL. Nick Needham torn Achilles. Cater Kohu, the undrafted rookie, has been excellent at corner, but – Right now, their strength is not in the secondary. They needed somebody to add to that front seven to where, you know, okay, we, we really do need to get pressure on the quarterback now. We don't just need a couple hurries. We don't just need to make them uncomfortable and make them, uh, you know, force a ball up to our ball hawks. Like, we need to get home in the front seven. And that's that's what we're starting to kind of see over the past few weeks. Uh, Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, I think, have pretty exciting – potential as a pass rushing duo mm. together and Melvin Ingram who people forget was the defensive Dude, player so of good. the month in September has been excellent this year so good excellent this year so when those three are on the field at the same time and then Christian Wilkins has also been quietly awesome this year Sealer 12 tackles Steeler too they're gonna have to figure out a He's way a to pay both those guys this offseason but I, there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of to be optimistic and excited about in this front seven right now. You know the linebackers, yeah. uh, you know uh, Jerome Baker, Landon Roberts. You know they both uh, they they can be hit or miss depending on the play. 
Uh, Baker, I thought, had a good game last week. Landon Roberts generally is around the ball. You know, he, he has good instincts at the position. But that that line and those edge rushers are, like, really do have potential to be special. Um, and so I think that this could be this could be one of those games. This could be one of those games where we really see things come together. Yeah, this is a big bounce back opportunity for them. I think for the Chargers, if there was like any optimism, you know, I do think it seems like they might get Mike Williams back for this one. I don't know what the latest is, um, but you know, they have the offense has looked a lot better when him and Keenan Allen are barely been on the field together. And then you know, I just like I'd like to see Justin Herbert on the move more. Um, the Chargers actually second in EPA per play on designed rollouts, and they they use them a fair amount. I feel like they could just crank that even more. I'd like to see him just make plays. Like I, my biggest criticism of him is so often he seems to just like be willing to operate within structure and do you know, and it's a very like conservative offense which we complain about a lot. And I just feel like it's not working right now. Um, <laughs> it's a tall ask again, like given the circumstances, but. Um, I feel like he could take more risks and be more aggressive because he kind of has to be the way things are and the where their season's at. So all that said, Marcel, if it's not obvious, I am definitely leaning Miami in this one. Um, and I think there's for both the offense and the defense, I think there's a chance to just kind of get back on track after obviously a low of the season. Yeah, that's a that's funny that you say that about Herbert, you know, the willingness to operate outside of structure. Because I felt like that is where, that's Tua's next step as well. I, I wrote about it a little mm. bit, but that was part of what the Niners did so well against them was they took that first read away to, to help disrupt that timing a little bit. So when he's got to hold on to the ball, we're, we're seeing him maybe rush his throw or, or you know, I, I don't know if it was just, again, he's thinking, okay, I got to hit this now. Okay, this isn't there. This isn't there. And his body clock starts to speed up a little bit. But uh, yeah. operating outside of the structure, you know, being able to scramble, move a defense with your eyes and your legs, um, it really, like, I think we still need to see to put that all together before he, we can have a Flashes. real conversation about what echelon he's in. You know, like, you're yeah. not, until you do that, like, we can't put you in the Burrow, Mahomes, Allen tier. Because... Yeah, he had that touchdown against the Texans, like, or, or it was in the first half, right, where he stepped up into the left and kind of threw across his body a little bit. And I was like, Oh, like, let's, let's see more of that. You know, <laughs> yes, yeah, he can do it. That was nice. He can yeah. do it. Yeah, he can do it. It would have been um, nice for him to do it against the Niners. But I think, you know, it, it doesn't take away from the good season he's having. They're just, that's the next no. step. If you're asking where he's need, he needs to go. Yeah. When the, you know, when you're now, okay. Like, the, and this is the stretch. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the two teams. The Dolphins are going to play the bills and the jets. We've been kind of dancing around it. Uh, we can start with the, the Von Miller injury, I suppose. So, um, yeah, this is, I mean, it's obviously brutal for all the reasons you just outlined. I did think that the Bills' pass rush uh, looked good against uh, Detroit. They got Gregory Rousseau back, who I think is a really good player. But losing Von Miller, I mean, it's just, Marcel, coming into the season, this was like the stacked team. The And it's just been... It's just like a harsh reminder that the roster you come into the season with is not always the one... You're gonna have because you know, like I talked about losing Hyde, um, yeah, and losing Miller back. So I guess in this one, I mean, yeah, it's a huge concern long term. Obviously, losing Miller in particular. But do you think in this one, when they're facing a Mike White team, you remember last year, Mike White threw like 
20 interceptions against the bill and I was like four I think anyways this that this was like the big Mike White okay it's over game last yeah. year do you do you feel like do you feel like that the bills are going to do it again to him this year and how do you feel about that defense generally yeah it does have uh you know Jeremy Lin against the heat potential where it's like okay oh <laughs> boo <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry I loved uh what, what, was the, what was the the documentary called Linsanity on on H. I thought, it was, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. I ate that thing up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it does have that potential because well, it's, it does feel like Mike White does, is kind of like Linsanity a little bit. I don't, he, I don't want to try to make a word out of White that sounds like that because it'll probably be offensive. But you get the gist. Yeah, it, it, you guys, y'all, y'all can do it at home. Don't put it on the internet. Keep it in your home. But yeah, I think it, it does have that potential because okay, yes, they're missing. They are missing Von Miller, and yes, they are missing Micah Hyde. But Jordan Poyer is playing like maybe the best safety in the NFL right now. And I think even just having one of them, particularly with how he's playing, is enough to confuse White uh, if he tries to push the ball downfield, which is very hard to do uh, against the Bills, no matter who's no matter who's playing. But uh, I think you know, even a big story too is what is that? What is that Jets defense going to do? to Josh Allen. You know, they really stymied him the last time. That was, I think, the first game mm. that we really saw this, like, kind of sloppy by his standard stretch of play yeah. for Josh Allen. It started against that. I'm curious what kind of hurdle this is going to be for him in that offense to get over. Well, that's something I wanted to talk to you about because you – so you covered the Bills really during the big Josh Allen leap. And Dominique and I have talked about this a lot. You know, Dominique always likes to say, well, you know, it's Allen. You're going to have to, like, accept some of it with it. You know, it's just this is how he plays, right? Like, he's going to do crazy stuff. But Marcel, there was, like, a year where he didn't. <laughs> I guess that's what confuses me. Like, he he really shut that off for a year, the mistakes or the risk-taking, the YOLO, as I call it. And it's come back. Like, even this last week, um, they win. It's a convincing win. You know, in prime time, Thursday night against New England, everything seems fine. But he still put the ball in harm's way quite a bit. And I'm not saying that that's going to, um, you know, sabotage the Bills or whatever. But I wonder, like, I just wanted to know what you think seeing that. Like, what do you think is behind it? Are you surprised by it? Because, I mean, you know, you covered him during a period when he was much more careful with the football. Yeah, it, really, it's I, I can pinpoint the exact moment where he started taking care of the football. Uh, they were undefeated going against the the Patriots in 2019. And I believe he threw three interceptions and fumbled, like lost the fumble. I, I want to say he had three or four turnovers there and was knocked out of the game, had a concussion, um, just trying to extend it a little too long, took a helmet-to-helmet hit. And after that game, he told us, like, or, you know, when he could speak, was allowed to speak. Yeah, you know, I, he's like, I, I learned that, I have to chill with the gunslinger. Like I have to take better care of the ball. I can't play like that. And I think he threw maybe two interceptions the rest of the way. Um, one of which came like literally the following week. Uh, but he was, he was careful with the ball. He's precise with the ball. And we saw it all in 2020 as well. Um, you know, he does admit himself that like there's some Brett Favre in there, like every now and then, like the gunslinger comes out, uh, the gunslingers it's coming out too much though. Like it's 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 coming out too much. Maybe you know, dial him back a little bit, bring him back in. 
you know, talk to Bruce Banner, figure out how he was able to control the Hulk, because like that's what you need. <laughs> it's you interesting. Need to do. Or marry the two. I don't know how that would look or work, well, but you got to figure that out. I do wonder if it's just like a pressure thing, because you know the Bills have been very injured on defense, but less so on offense. I mean, there's been some injuries on the offensive line, especially you know um, not having Mitch Morse every now and then is is really hard on them. But for the most part, they've had pretty much everyone. And I think that on that side, it's a little bit like they still probably have, you know, they're one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL. So I'm not I don't want to like overstate their issues on offense. But I think we can all agree, you know, the thought was Gabe Davis would be a superstar and he hasn't been. Um, they're not really getting production at the tight end position, and the running game has kind of been touch and go. There was a real commitment to run the ball against New England, which I thought was interesting. So I do wonder if Josh just feels more pressure to like be the offense. Um, I will say this. If I'm the Jets, I really think like if you can like take Stefan Diggs out, this is you're really hamstringing them on offense because of everything I just said in terms of like the other weapons. I mean, every now and then, like Isaiah McKenzie have a big game and they're starting to use James Cook in the passing game, and that's nice. But like Diggs is so far and away the guy in this defense, <laughs> and um, you know, I, I was looking back at his performances and. You know, there's been he's he's pretty consistent. I I weirdly thought the Lions did a decent job with him, and it was funny because they don't have a good secondary at all. But they were really physical with him. They were pressing him a lot, and I do think that the Jets are capable of doing the same thing. I mean, that their cornerbacks mostly play sides, but like, I do think they have two really good cornerbacks, um, and that they have, can come up with a strategy to try to take Diggs out of this game. A little bit. Yeah, that has that has to be here. That has to be focal your your number one focal point. Because like you said, Diggs is. I, I mean, he says he, I'm him all the time, and yeah, we we agree. Uh, <laughs> we on the outside agree. He's your honor. so good. <laughs> he's he's excellent, but that that's why you know if you look at like the you know Buffalo Bills fans and you know on Twitter and circles they. They have been clamoring for a wide receiver too for quite some time now, and I think mm. they're kind of split on Gabe Davis being that or not because they, he just That's simply he simply hasn't been over the past few years. He had that explosive, legendary performance against the Chiefs. It was awesome, one of the coolest things we'll ever see in the playoffs. But we hadn't seen that over a consistent stretch of, of time, and. You can argue that the snaps weren't there, the targets weren't there because they had Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. But you know, if if you're him, you're him. You know what I mean? Like if you're if if you are, if he was capable of being that consistent number two threat week in and week out, I don't think it would have been much of a problem for him to overtake Beasley or or Sanders or you know in in the previous years. So I I think that he is capable of, of putting up a big game. Uh, you know, sp- throughout the season, I don't. I don't want to say every now and then because I think he's slightly more consistent than that. But uh, I, I think they do need another weapon. Isaiah McKenzie, I think, uh, has taken a, a step forward this year, but I think he's limited in how impactful he could really be. Uh, it, it wouldn't be. There's a reason why Odell Beckham Jr. was in Orchard Park the other week. You know, like I think yeah. it's a problem that they've recognized. So the Jets' defense is awesome. They have an incredible four-man rush. They've got a, a bunch of really, really good players on the defensive line that we've talked about a lot. They have those good cornerbacks who are really good. Also, um, Michael Carter's good, too. 
third corner. But um, I do think you saw this on display against the Vikings. They're not, I think you can get them in the middle of the field. Their safeties are just okay. So it feels like there'll be opportunities there through the air. Um, so yeah, I just, I think like for, for, from New York's perspective, if you can just take out dig, if you can really, really try to lock him down as much as you can, um, you have a good chance of forcing Josh Allen or at least, uh, encouraging him to make some of those mistakes. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Buffalo in this one largely because of, I think Mike White's going to have a harder time against this Bills defense, even without Von Miller than he did against Minnesota. But I am super excited to watch the matchup on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I, I agree there. You know, I'm, there are, there are a, you know, stadium full of things I'm more worried about than, than Josh Allen on a weekly basis. Uh, <laughs> like he, I think like, if Josh Allen is your biggest problem, you're, you're, you're doing very well. You know what I mean? So like, I think they're, they're still winning games despite, uh, despite the injuries, despite his kind of erratic play at times. And that's what, ultimately that's what good teams do, right? Like they're, you're not going to yeah. blow everybody out, but if you're able to lock it in and, and hold on at the end of the game, which they've been able to do, uh, you know, it's hard to, he's, you can only critique them so much. He, he's still incredible too. I, I like, we're, you know, it's, there's these mistakes, but like, I know even in the Pates cats game, I was like, Oh, he put the ball in a harmless way. But then he made one of the craziest touchdown throws I've ever seen, <laughs> like do, doing so, that, you know, and it's just, just absolutely, absolutely bonkers player. Just the number of times, like he looks like he's just like running out of bounds and throwing the <laughs> ball away. And it just so ends up in somebody's hands in the end zone. So great. Uh, the, the Dawson Knox touchdown, I think, last year against the Patriots. Then the Gabe oh Davis God. last last week. Like, he's just he does some special things, but uh, outrageous, yeah. outrageous player. I do want to say, you know, part of the reason I'm excited to watch the Bills Dolphins rematch is I think um, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, who's having a hell of a year when he plays, that's 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 and, and with Poyer back, that's going to present. That they're gonna have a better. I guess that's a. I know we to go back to the discussion we had at the beginning. There's not a blueprint right now, but I think that they're closer to approximating what the Niners did than some of the other defenses in the NFL. So, I can't wait. That's a great game. Oh, the AFC East. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back and talk about some other divisions. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Okay, so I wanted to hit Vikings Lions, not super long, but. Marcel, I'm, I, I tweeted this, so maybe you saw it, but if not, are you surprised that the Lions, 5-7, and seven, are favored against the 10-2 Minnesota Vikings? The disrespect. A little, yeah, a little surprise, a little surprise. Detroit is playing, you know, they're playing good football right now. Uh, love what that offense is able to do on the ground. Jamal Williams is just a, a touchdown machine anytime they get close to the goal line. Uh, yeah. getting Jameson Williams back. I'm not sure what he was able to do last week or if he officially played last week, but getting him back uh, at this time, especially considering like they're in playoff position, I'm not sure if, you know, if that's something they would have allowed him to do if they weren't in playoff position. 
But like there, mm-hmm. there are reasons to to like the Lions. Jared Goff playing efficient play as well. There are reasons to like the Lions, and I guess the Vikings just are incessant on being the the most disrespected ten and two team in, in, in history. Vegas right? disrespects. Just, this is I'm not dis- Vegas. This is Vegas disrespecting you guys, not me. Not me, and not me. Not well, actually, I I just think that I think the Vikings are just okay. I saw them play against Miami um, here. I saw yeah. them play two different quarterbacks in the same game, and I am uh, I, I hate doing this, but it is what it is. Like I I do think if Tua played in that game, that the Dolphins win, and I don't think it would be particularly particularly close. You know, I don't think it'd come down to the wire. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, but that being said, ten games is ten games, and they've still won ten. So respect. So I think I think the Vikings. Yeah, I think the Vikings' offense is better than the Vikings' defense. Most advanced metrics agree. Um, and you know, we can talk about whether it's Diggs or Jefferson or Tyreek, who are the best wide receivers in football. But the, they have Justin Jefferson, so that's you know, and T.J. Hawkinson and Adam Thielen and all that, and Dalvin Cook. I actually think Dalvin Cook is probably going to be huge in this one because so the Lions defense was god awful for much of the season they have since improved over the last few weeks I think this is a big part of the reason why by the way Vegas has a little bit more faith in them and why they've been more successful recently but they're still not great against the run I will say I don't think the um, Lions secondary is going to have success covering Justin Jefferson but um, I also think that it's really going to be on the ground, like that the, the Vikings can mitigate the Lions' pass rush, which has looked kind of feisty lately, and just grind some efficient drives on the ground because I just don't think this Detroit team will be able to stop them there. No, I, man, this this might be a uh, remember that that of course you do because you're a Seahawks fan, but the, the Seahawks Lions game that was like oh one seventy to one sixty five. Yeah, or something. big twelve. I think that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it might look like that because yeah, Minnesota's pass defense is you know dead last in the league. A uh, lot of horses to cover there. Uh, if, if you're looking at the Lions, uh, you're looking at the Lions receiving core, and you know that that Lions offense, man, like I, it, it's it's doing what you would expect. It's doing what you would expect under under Dan Campbell now. Like uh, they're I, super I always, good. I love them after after hard knocks, and not just because of like the hard knocks rose colored glasses, but just because you could really tell that that team was going to play for its coach. Like you could tell, like yeah. you cared about the team. They they rolled with them, and that anybody who went into Ford Field and caught the and you know half sleep that they were going to get hit in the mouth or the kneecap, well, whatever. They they have the best offensive line in for well, I know the Eagles would dis- disagree. One of the best offensive lines in football. They have a quarterback who is notorious for playing much better when he's protected. We've seen this with Jared Goff, so it's a good situation for him. And then like a great group of skill players, a group of skill players that's getting healthy. Like DeAndre Swift's kind of taking a while to get back to himself, but you get DJ Chark back. You get you alluded to Jamison Williams. We'll see how much he plays. And as like we talk about these like flashy wide receivers like Jefferson and Hill and you know um, Diggs, but Amon Ross St. Brown just doesn't drop the football, man. I swear to God, that guy catches everything. He is just a human first down. So they're really, really good. And look, the Vikings defense um, were able to stop New York just basically in the red zone. The Lions have the best red zone offense in the NFL right now, seventy-four percent. Uh, of their trips to the red zone, turning to touchdowns, is better than Philadelphia and Dallas, who are second and third. This is not going to be easy 
Um, and I like I you know I've talked about this Vikings defense. I like the pass rushers, but I don't think, and you know, I think they're probably gonna. I think they might get Dantzler back in this one. But I I just said at the beginning I expect the Vikings to be able to move the ball on the ground against Detroit. I expect Detroit to be able to move the ball against <laughs> Minnesota. That's why this one's really hard for me to pick because I think both offenses are probably better than both defenses. Yeah, but that's it makes it hard to pick, but it makes it really fun to watch, and uh, <laughs> which I can't. You know, I don't. I don't think I personally could have said about a Lions Vikings matchup in years past. Um, I, I, I like. Uh, man, it's it is it is tough. It is tough. Minnesota just grinded one out over uh, over New York. Uh, where's where's yeah. the game? I, I think it's one of those where it's in it's in Detroit. Yeah. So the you know Lions are favored, but they're it, it's at home, so it's kind of a pick them uh, so basically. It's like that push. And I, uh, I, yeah. What did you think? What did you think? Let me ask you this though: When you saw Kirk Cousins uh, against Miami, how did like what did you make of him this year? I thought he was a risk averse, uh, you know, I thought risk averse game manager. Yeah. You know, so that's to- before the switch flip for him, because that was earlier in the season when he was super risk averse, and then at some point after then, he just switched into effort mode and started throwing into Jefferson. I talk about this way too much, but like, um, why would you like? Why would you not like consider? That's what yeah, didn't okay. make sense to me. Was like, is this really? Is this really who you are with Thielen and and Jefferson to to throw to, and a, a Dalvin Cook led run game to to lean on? Like, I, I just it, it it left a bad taste in my mouth. So I'll admit that Vikings fans that like I might have let yeah, that no. carry over a little long, but it's he's having the weirdest season, Marcel, because like. Typically, Kirk Cousins is like a stats darling because usually uh, the advanced metrics really like him and he is really, really good throwing off of play action and then he seemingly like falls apart in these big moments, right? That's been Kirk Cousins. This year, it's kind of almost like the reverse has been true. Like the offense isn't that great on play action. The advanced metrics don't love him, but then he like just wins, baby. <laughs> so like, it's weird. I, I, so it's a really weird season for him. Um, I still think the, Dol- the Vikings offense, you always have to fear because of their skill players though. And because every now and then Kirk still throws like a really beautiful ball. So we'll see. This feels like, I mean, Minnesota, I think we'll be able to hold on to their division lead, but this is a big one for Detroit. You know, if, I mean, yeah, this is, mm, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch some Lions football. I am too. And, you know, they're, what, what is this? They've won four of their last, of the last five, the the Lions after starting out one and six. So yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of momentum there. They just beat the absolute breaks off of Jacksonville last week. Uh, you, they were this close to beating Buffalo. I thought that would be close. Thanksgiving. But uh, yeah. I, I think that's that's a good that's a good sign. Like these wins over you know during the stretch, uh, these wins over Green Bay, over Chicago, over New York, they were they were in it against the against the Dolphins for most of they controlled most of that game. Uh, like this shows like they are they're not just like playing up or down to their competition. Totally, I, yeah. I think that like they're starting to believe okay there are teams that we need to be able to beat no matter what we're on the field. And then they're going and, and doing that. So I, I think that it's a good sign. I think they take Minnesota at home. Ooh, bold. All right. We'll see. Vegas agrees. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Bucks Niners, you, 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 gotta, you, you mentioned a little bit 
that you were impressed by Purdy. So let's start there. Um, you know, seventh rounder comes off the bench. I don't like, so I, I, you know, we talked a lot about this a little bit on Tuesday and I was talking about how the Dolphins, you know, blitzed him a fair amount and they were stacked in the box. Do you expect defenses to play him and play the Niners the way Miami did, basically challenging him, you know, to throw the football? I, I think that it, it's tough because you would your your instinct when you see a seventh round rookie making his first career start is let's make him as uncomfortable as possible. Like let's send let's send wave after wave after wave at him and. I, I don't think that doing that worked with Miami because he's mm. a little more mobile than like, he's he's yes. he's mobile. I don't want to I don't want to get you know I don't want to no, get he's caught more using that Jimmy. kind of language. But he's, he's mobile. He's definitely than more Jimmy. mobile than Jimmy. Yeah. And uh, like there were times like I I thought he was and I think you know the I think it was Jalen Phillips had it and had one and Ingram had one. I think we all thought Purdy was was done for and he just wheeled out. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 extended the play. Wiggly. Like he's I think he's more talented than if that game is any indication like he's more talented than his draft position and NFL status would would suggest. Uh but I think you know if if there's one thing we can rely on it's that a already quarterback friendly system and quarterback friendly yeah. coach will have him ready to play. Uh, with a week with the week of preparation, but like what I was most impressed with by by Purdy is that I was expecting, obviously I, I was expecting a little bit of protection from that system, but I thought okay, there's going to be some throws where you know he his placement is just not as consistent as Garoppolo, but he, that that ball placement didn't really fluctuate on, on Sunday. It was yeah. where it needed to be more often than not. Uh, he did throw an interception on fourth and four uh, that kind of felt like a punt. He was just giving his guy a chance. The problem was he gave him a chance against Xavier Howard. And uh, <laughs> like, well, he, a- he he's not he doesn't have a good deep ball, like you know. But that's you, I mean, I mean Jimmy has a better one. He just didn't throw that much. But yeah, I I think I mean look, it's Todd Bowles, it's the Bucks. They're gonna heat him up. Like they're gonna blitz him a lot. So I think it just comes down to this is where Christian McCaffrey's been so huge in this offense, even with Jimmy Garoppolo, but certainly now having him as an outlet, having any, I mean, all these guys are like incredible getting guards after the catch. So you risk that when you blitz him, it's, it's, it's just a question of whether, you know, Purdy makes the right decision and, and executes. Um, but yeah, I, I was impressed. I thought, I think I was really impressed by like mentally, he looked like he had command of the offense, you know, like he, yeah, he he didn't look like he always even like got through his reads at various points. Um, it wasn't just like first read go every time. He looked pretty calm. I was surprised by how aggressive he was too. Um, and and I think I you know I might have said this, but like I I have to say Marcel like knowing so Kyle Shanahan's a pretty conservative coach. Like I you know he he will call twenty runs in a row when he doesn't think. It, you know, he doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo, and he just doesn't go for on fourth down. I thought it was pretty telling that he had confidence in Purdy to throw the football and that he went for it a few times. Like, that to me told me, oh, this guy, you know, Shanahan's watched him a lot, and he must really believe he can do this. Yeah, protecting is not the same thing as hiding in this in this case because he, he yes. was not scared to let yes. that kid throw the rock. And uh I, I love what you said about his mental preparation. Like he looked like he was ready for the moment. He didn't look jittery. 
in the pocket. If anything, like it, it looked like uh, you know that you know that that speed where I can't. It's slow, but not slow motion. It's like del- he was like deliberately slow going through, mm. you know, moving around the pocket. He didn't look like oh wow, like he's unathletic or he like doesn't know where to go. Like, <laughs> it's not he's not processing slow. Yeah, he's just like. He's just picking his spot so calmly. Calm. There it is. I knew I was going to get there eventually. Mm. He looked calm. He's calm. In, in yeah. Back there. And, and it was like, oh, boy. Uh, you know, I know, again, people are going to get their jokes off. But if you are going to make fun of them for that, just watch watch a few plays. Because the, the guy, he played very well. He played well. Hmm. Yeah. It, I, I think, I'll say this, you know, I, I do think the Bucks defense is better. I think the Bucks defense is also better equipped to play San Francisco in any iteration because I was, dude, Levante David on Monday night was a sicko. And I was just, I was clipping a few, I only posted one, I was clipping some plays of him because I just love watching him from the end zone view, watching his helmet. He's so good at sniffing out um, window dressing and misdirection and making the correct reads. So I think He's going to be massive. Obviously, linebacker is so important against this San Francisco offense. Unfortunately for the Bucs, um, on the other side, they have to play the San Francisco defense. And this is why Brock Purdy is favored in this game over Tom Brady. <laughs> um, this is why wins are not a quarterback stat and the line is not about quarterback play because I don't like that matchup for Tampa at all. I mean, Tom Brady, like this offensive line is already struggling um, guys already don't get much separation. Tom Brady already looks uncomfortable. Uh, and now he has to do it against the San Francisco defense. Like, uh, just does not seem to bode well. Yeah. I, I am not, I am not, <laughs> I'm not confident in Brady, which is a weird thing to say. Weird. It took me a couple times to, to get that out. My brain was like sending it back. Like, no, no, you don't mean that. Yes, I, I do. I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not confident against them. And again, it, it comes down to mainly those guys in the middle of the field, I, I think, are so smart and so athletic and so fast and, and cover so much ground that it, it, it's going to make life hell for a guy that's gonna, that wants to get the ball out fast. And I, I, I yeah. think they have, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's got blowout potential here because, you know, every, every team, any Sunday, everybody's got to blah, 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 blah. But the game's at San Francisco. The Niners are hot right now. Um, I think that the the Jimmy News, especially being able to win their that game without him, is now has gone from like devastating to galvanizing. And I, we're going to learn a little bit more about Brock Purdy. But if that <laughs> Miami game was his his baseline, they're going to be fine. Like I think that he, there's not really. Close your eyes, squint so you can't see the numbers, and you might not be able to tell that Jimmy is hurt. Yeah, there's it, it, just a little more pressure on the defense, but this is not a good Bucks offense. So, and I think also, you know, to your point, like just that, that linebacker group against a Tom Brady offense that is getting the ball out really quickly, you know, and and throwing short of the sticks all the time. I mean. You know, the, the Bucks offense leans so much on screens and, like, four-yard checkdowns. This Niners linebacker group will be all over that unless they decide to change things up and push the ball downfield more and, you know, have better success doing so. I don't know what's up with Brady and Mike Evans, man. I, I don't know how, like, a 
two players who seemed to be so in sync for so, you know, for a couple of years look like they just met lately, but that has to get fixed for me to believe in this Bucks offense. I mean, Chris Godwin looks really good, though, I will say that. So that's certainly helpful. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've i complained about the Bucks offense enough on this podcast, but this is not the defense that you want to, that, that you get things going against typically. But maybe, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe the hurry-up Tom we saw who was like flawless for two drives, maybe he comes back. You know, it's happened before. Maybe, the, but like, if I learned anything last week, it's like, like you're going to have to <laughs> try to com- hit on some explosive plays, hit on some big plays in order to, to, to score against this Niners defense. And Tampa yeah. ranks second to last in, in plays of 20 or more yards. And the Niners allow the fewest, or have allowed the fewest. Get- so it's just not... I- that's a that's a good point though. By the way, about the Niners' defense, like the um, it was the, it was it was it a post a deep post to Hill or Hufanga bit underneath or yes. what was the concept again? It was a deep dig in a post over. I think right. You can get those safeties. I think, uh, but you got to be able to execute like the Dolphins did. And to your point, Tampa's just been so erratic throwing the ball downfield. So not a big, not a big not a big believer. It's too bad though. I, I, I on paper in like you know Madden nineteen, this <laughs> would have been a sick team with Julio, Mike Evans, and Godwin. And Dude, Brady. Julio made a crazy that crazy catch on on one of the hurry up drives though. I was like, what the hell, man? I just that's what's so annoying about the Bucks is like every now and then they just kind of put it together, you know, and you're like, oh shit, like. Anyways, um, yeah, I'll probably pick the Niners, which is insane. Can't believe I'm saying that, but I probably will. Wow. Yeah, I think I'm definitely. I think I'm definitely picking the Niners, uh, and just uh, that big of a believer in that defense. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back, and we've got five more questions for Marcel. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Dinks and Dunks is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. All right, Marcel, five questions, four from me, one from Lenny. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. Baker Mayfield is a Ram. Don't know if he's going to play. The news might be out. I I, kind of doubt it. It's Thursday night against the Raiders. Um... Yeah, so let me ask you this. On a scale of 1 through 10, how sad did that news make you? How sad uh, about Baker going to the Rams being cut? Just like the general piece of news crossing Uh, your timeline. I think like a 5 and that it made me say, damn. (laughs) That's that's the reaction I'm asking, like a damn. (laughs) Like, damn. Oh, damn. damn. My God, it wasn't like a, oh, my, no, please. It was just no, like no. a, oh, That's damn, what I'm looking for, like a, geez, woof. <laughs> it, it elicited a, a response. A, on both a, sides, on all a sides. silent response. Like, that's like, uh, you, you hate that for him just because, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to see people not succeed. Like, I'm not rooting against Baker, but, you know, former number one pick gets traded. It's not, like, you don't like to see just the, the fall from grace, in a sense. Um, I think I felt worse about the number he chose with, with LA. Or I don't know if he chose it or if it was just assigned to him, but 17, 17. Doesn't, it just doesn't sit right. 
It doesn't sit right. Going from two to 17 just tells the story right there. It's right. so also like imagine if you're a baker and you find out you've been waived. And you, know, you didn't play well in Carolina. And you think, oh, maybe San Francisco. <laughs> like <laughs> what a contrast in destination. You know what? I, just from a football standpoint, for everything we just described in San Francisco to playing with the Rams where you're like, it's the backup, backup offensive linemen. It's just a tough situation for a quarterback. Like a ghost, the ghost of the Rams right now. I, I love, by the way, I love the discussion that, that that's been happening on, on social media today and yesterday, or maybe it's just today where uh, like somebody was trying to make fun of the Rams for doing that trade. Like, oh, golf looks so much better than Stafford. Like it's crazy that they got away with such a what? ridiculously bad trade. And it was like, what are you nuts? <laughs> That's a, that's a, <laughs> Do, so Dominic and I were talking about this because of the, the when you look at the draft you see that the Lions have the Rams pick the Broncos have or the Seahawks have the Broncos pick um, and then the Eagles have the Saints pick and they're right now like three four five the Rams one you got a Super Bowl who cares it happened yeah. it's a bummer now but you got a Super Bowl like I, that's what I don't understand yeah like here, I'll, I'll read it I'll read it verbatim I'm not gonna dox the guy but. Jared Goff is a better QB than Matthew Stafford right now. Younger, healthier, cheaper, and the Lions will get a top five pick from the Rams in 23. The Rams winning the Super Bowl was an all-time example of results working out on a fundamentally bad trade. I, I just, I feel like... What? <laughs> I feel like it's this isn't a conversation. Like, if you win one, how many Super Bowls is, is, is worth it, it, it for, like, if you're mortgaging your future? One is the answer. Yeah. One Super Bowl yeah. is worth it. And they did it. What? Who cares? They it's don't. It's so get... hard to win a Super Bowl. It's so hard. Okay. Oh, you got me all riled up. All right. Question number two. <laughs> um. Okay. I want to ask you another question about the Dolphins. Which team in the AFC do you think should scare the Dolphins the most? Which team in the AFC should scare the Dolphins the most? So we're talking about we're not talking about the Niners. Are, we're talking about getting to the Super Bowl. I think this is a complicated question hmm. because the this best is, teams, the defenses, you know, it's like a, this is tough because like I want I would love to say Kansas City, but I think Miami is suited to shoot it out with you Kansas scoring City. Them. Yeah, yeah, like 100%. I'm not saying like the Dolphins are better than them or they're gonna beat them. This, but like, I don't think that's a matchup that should scare them. Um, I think a full strength Buffalo would is probably yeah. scary, but without Von Miller, um, I, I don't, I don't know anymore. I'm not, I'm not sure anymore. Mm. Um, I don't even know if they should be scared of like scared of Cincinnati. Uh, that game was a toss up before Tua was hurt. But I don't know, maybe Tennessee. I like just the the physicality of it. But that defense is not something that should tear. Like the Miami, what's beautiful about the yeah. play is that they've been dictating so many of these games that we haven't seen anybody throw them off. So uh, I'm just gonna say Buffalo. Then, like I'm just I gonna think go it's Buffalo. Buffalo just because I of that I, I think it. I think it's because the defense when you get because Tre'Davious White, who we, I didn't even talk about. Sorry, he's he's he looked good. He's finally healthy again, and I think. Um, those linebackers that I alluded to, like the, to me, when I, when we talk about like, okay, what did the Niners do? What can other defenses do? I think that the bills are probably the closest to that. Now I'd, I'd feel way better about it with Von Miller, but 
And then, of course, they you know, still have Josh Allen, too. So that would be the one. But I, God, I cannot wait to watch those teams play again. It's going to be awesome. All right. Question number three. You mentioned the Titans. Titans, Jags. Just pick this one for me because I'm struggling with it. Uh, that's tough. Um, <laughs> Somebody geez. has to win the AFC South. So. I'm going to go Titans. Uh, just it, it, when If all else fails, uh, I'm going to go back to coaching. And uh, I think what Mike Vrabel, yeah. Mike Vrabel has been able to do uh, with Tennessee has it, it doesn't get enough credit. Like I, I think he, he does have a coach of the year, a year award, but I don't care. He needs more credit uh, because that yes. team is consistent year in year out. You know what you're getting from the Titans, and they still they still manage to win. They still manage to win. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll, I'll go Tennessee. Totally fair. All right, question number four. I actually want to ask you another Dolphins question. Sorry. That's all um, right. How does Mike McDaniel compare to every other coach you've been around? Um, I would rather cover Mike McDaniel than any other coach that I have wow. covered. And, you know, just because from a reporter standpoint, and this is not me saying this is he's a better coach, this, 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 which. No, no, which, yeah, we're no, talking about reporting, he, yeah. You know, just from my perspective as a reporter, uh, I have never gone to, and I've been attending his press conferences since February. I have never gone to a press conference and felt like he was either mailing it in or he didn't want to be there or that he didn't care about our time as as reporters. And, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not saying that other coaches I've covered have not cared about our, our time, but you could tell, like, everybody has their days, you know, when... You could tell, all right, like he doesn't want to be here, or like he's forty minutes late and like giving one word answers, like oh he's frustrated and snapping back. Like he's had every opportunity to snap at people, you know, just considering the the gravity of whatever moment was we were asking him about. But it's it's just it's just been the same guy, the same you know dry humor, always has something funny to say. You you learn something every time. Uh, it's just, he's interesting. And when he can't answer, like when he can't answer a question, I don't feel like we're getting the, you know, some guys like to say, Oh, I've got coaches. Well, you got to ask the team doctors. You have to ask the medical staff. Like, you know, I can't ask the medical staff. Like why? That's why you're talking. Oh, you know, you've got to ask like some pe- some person who is not currently in there. And like, he'll just straight up say like, he's got a running bit. And when we ask about something in the future, it was like, ah, you know, my crystal ball, man, like it's still broken. So I haven't gotten that fixed. And like, like it's so like, <laughs> yeah, like it's like, at least like I can tell he's saying like, yeah, dude, I don't have an answer for you, but it's not just like the, the cut and dry run of the mill blow off. Like, uh, he's genuinely, he is fun. It's fun to cover. It's funny to cover. So, uh, is it weird that he's like our age though? Is that weird? Uh, no, if anything, I just makes it more relatable. Yeah, I think, and like I, I, I've covered some good. I've covered some good coaches. Like I enjoyed covering Ron Rivera. I covered Sean McDermott. I covered Brian Flores. I've covered Davo Sweeney even at, at the college level. Mm. Uh, but I would take a, I would take a Mike McDaniel press conference. Um, wow. I think any any day. That's cool. That's good to hear. He makes me laugh. That's all I got. <laughs> he makes me laugh a lot. I feel like every quote I just can imagine in that voice and it makes me laugh. 
All right, last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Uh, Lenny follows you on the gram. He knows you have a, a dog named Morty. However, Lenny wants to know why you haven't posted pictures of Morty in over a year. Are you ashamed of him? Do you just not love him? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. All right. So, my seeing love. A lot of, seeing a lot of girlfriend, not a lot of dog. I do love my girlfriend, wow. but. It's brutal. Uh, the thing about Morty is. Um, Selfies Morty, and suits. Fake, I, fake I, candids. I, I love that dog. No, no Morty. <laughs> but he's also the bane of my existence at least three times a week. Um, he is not a good, he's not a good dog. Like he's a bad dog. And in, in that <laughs> some dogs, I'm sure Lenny, you know, this, you give a little warning, you give a little heads up. Hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Like you run to the door, or just stand up and stare at you or something. You do something. Uh, Morty has a nasty habit of waking up from being dead asleep and then urinating in the house and not just in one spot, but he like realizes he's he's doing the wrong thing and he will walk. So like he's not incontinent because I know like that's what y- it seems like. No, because no, he'll squat he's and he'll do, he'll do his thing. And like I'll never forget, there was a morning uh, I had taken him out at night, and I wake up because he's got an automatic feeder, right? So it goes off eight o'clock. He eats, and immediately I hear the little patter, 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 all the way to the side of my bed, and then consistent stream of urine hitting the floor. It's like, Morty, can I get out of bed, dude? What do I gotta do? A warning shot. You wanna wanna know why he's doing that? Because you don't post photos of him.